welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, back to where it all started, facing the team that made him, Jimmy Garoppolo faces the Jaguars, this time as favorites in this Week 11 tilt. And with me, this week, pining for more pre-pod pie, it's David Newman. I'm not going to lie, that slice was not big enough. My wife skimped <laughs> on the, the pie slice here that was given to me, and I could go for another piece right now, but here we are. Peek behind the curtain. You know, we we connect on Skype. We watch the things. We prep the things. I call my dude David. I get no answer. I'm like, that's weird. He should be there. So I, I, you know, I do the double ring, call him again. And I get declined. David declines the call. Like, this is what is happening. Are we running up against some more network issues? I'm very confused. And uh, and no, the text message comes through. Hold on. It's pie time. <laughs> Uh, in my defense, I tried to, uh, send a preemptive message that was like, Hey, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to get some pie because yeah. we got 20 minutes and look, I want some pie and that's where we're at. Yeah. I and, get it. Uh, uh, and you missed it. And so I was like, get off my back. I'm getting pie. <laughs> in the meantime, I took it upon myself to go get some eggnog. And uh, I put some whiskey in it. And I have to say, David, I know that you are a fan of eggnog. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I can't, I can't do it. I don't like it. This is not, this is the, like, I'm, I'm drinking it and I'm thinking to myself, why? This is, this is not, this is not delicious. This is not taste. This is not what I want to do. And yet here I am with this thing. I don't really know where to go from here. I don't know what, uh, I don't know what we do. Yeah, well, we can move on. Let's let's talk about some football because uh, let you know a little bit of housekeeping actually before we get to the football. Uh, no Thursday show next week due to Thanksgiving. It's Turkey Day, uh, and so you know we're going to be probably having pie, but not eggnog. <laughs> it's, it's pie season. All right, it I'm is be having pie some eggnog season too. Yeah, is this is this your pumpkin spice latte? Oh, have dude. we stumbled across it? This is it. This is my time right here. <laughs> Mid, you know, mid, late November through December, all the good stuff happening. My goodness. Cookies, pies, eggnog. Goodness. All right. Well, now now we know. And knowing's half the battle. Uh, All right. Let's get to this game against Jaguars. Um, This is a game that the 49ers should win. They're six and a half point road favorites. This is the most they've been favored since week one versus the Lions. Their win probability from both Pro Football Focus and 538, give the 49ers about a 70% chance to win. This is a winnable game. Haven't had many of those. We have not. have not had a lot of those. Uh, and and this is the one we've been waiting for, right? It was like we, we hit that stretch. Uh, we lost three straight going into the bye, and it was like, man, Jacksonville feels like a long time away. Uh, that's, that's the next one that we've got that really feels good. And Hey, here we are. And it still, I think feels mostly good. Yeah, it does. I mean, I remember the, you know, I was talking about the last time the Niners played the Jaguars and I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago at this point. Cause remember the Jaguars were the best defense in the NFL. I mean, they were on a tear and they face a young, newly starting quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo was just throwing darts all over the field. He completed 21 of 30 passes for 242 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, a harbinger of things to come. 
Uh, he also rushed, rushed for touchdown, and he had that ridiculous like off-platform throw. Yeah. To, I think it was Trent Taylor in the end zone. Remember, he like, throws it, whips it around the defender, out of structure plays. I mean, he was doing everything. And he took it to the best defense in the NFL and put up 44 points on that defense. On that, I mean, Jalen Ramsey has never recovered. He was like, so he's, pissed. He's, he was, he's still to this, like against the Rams, my dude still cannot beat Jimmy Garoppolo. He just can't do it. And it started in 2017. And, and now, you know, that this is not that kind of game, but this is a game where the Niners are actually favored. And it's a game where, where they probably should win. When you think about teams that match up well against the Niners, it's teams that have the offensive firepower to take advantage of their depleted defense. And, Right now, that's not the Jaguars. It is not the Jaguars. Yeah, I, I think they are are struggling on just about every front offensively. And, and obviously the big thing uh, that I think everybody's kind of focusing in on, right, of course, is Trevor Lawrence being the number one overall pick. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, when you look at him, and, and we did go back and watch, you know, the last couple games um, – that that he played here against Buffalo in, in Indianapolis, um, which, by the way, Patreon video up now if you are already a patron. If you are not a patron, become one and then go watch the video that we did on Trevor Lawrence. And and so, uh, yeah, I, I think you see some predictable stuff from him, right? There are certainly some positive signs that you you get um, where, you know, you see why he was the number one overall pick and then you see some rookie mistakes right like some things that are, are kind of ugly and uh and show that he still has a, a little ways to go yeah i mean we we talk a little bit about what he does well and, and what he doesn't do well and really he's not really helped by his offensive line his often they're in empty a lot and it seems to have gotten worse over the last i mean worse relatively uh <laughs> worse for i guess trevor lawrence good for the 49ers um but it seems to have upticked the last couple of weeks and his offensive line is injured. They're they're not playing all of their starters, and and they just they're very very leaky. And they put a lot on Lawrence's shoulders. I mean, when you're in five man protection a lot, and and really you're looking at at Agnew out there wide, and you've got Chenault and you've got Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones has seen better days. And Chenault's not exactly a very very quick separator. I mean, he just doesn't have a lot of options at this point. You're really pining for Dan Arnold catches, and Dan Arnold does a lot of things like fall over unprompted um but he he also you know he's he's still also one of their top weapons um and and it just it is it is barren for the jaguars right now um and and even when lawrence does make some positive plays um like he had a, a really really beautiful deep shot to agnew who is basically a kick returner at this point it is it is it ended predictably with him dropping it yeah, I mean, I think that's like the biggest takeaway that that I had, right, was essentially their offense just doesn't give him any sort of room for error, right? We talked so much in the, in the preseason about Trey Lance coming in and, and like, look, if he does get a chance to play for an extended period of time um, and, and really like uh, get a legit shot at this, right, he's in a good situation to, to succeed potentially, right? Like obviously there were, there were other things going on there and issues and things that he had to work on, but just in terms of a situation that you could go into, uh, it was one of the better ones that you could ask for, right. For, in terms of, a one of the, the higher rookie 
quarterback picks. And so you, you look at the Jaguars and they just don't have any of that. It, it's just like there's so many plays where uh, he, he hits the last of his drop and just nobody's open. Is everybody's blanketed across the board. And then quickly after that, he's getting pressured. Right. And, and so I think that's where you end up seeing a lot of mis- of the mistakes from him. Right. I, I think he's just pressing a lot and he's trying to do too much because he knows that he doesn't have a lot of help. I mean, there are just t- some throws that he makes where it's just like clearly forcing something up, trying to make something happen when nothing is there. Right. And he just hasn't kind of learned that restraint to to know when there's just the play is exhausted there's nothing left that you can do you know throw it away instead of hurling something up into coverage that that could be picked off right and so I think that's the kind of mistakes that that he has been having throughout the season and it's the type of stuff that the 49ers are going to need to take advantage of right they they did that against the Rams and that was a big reason why that game you know went the way that it did and, and so they need to make sure that they're capitalizing on any mistakes that he does make because uh, that that's going to be big. And the four ers haven't always done that. Yeah. This is a game where if they can stay on a positive game script, th- I mean, this is another one of those like teed up for a positive game script, because if they get a couple of touchdowns and the Jaguars start to think they have to force it, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence has got nearly a 4% turnover worthy play rate, which is not great. It's 31st out of 37th. And, and that's in large part because he's trying to take a lot of things on, on his shoulders. Um, we had a play that we broke down on the Patreon video where he's, he's rolling out in a boot action. And he just tries to throw the ball too late. It's just too late. And you've got a Colts defender who's there. And, and he drops what really should have been an INT. He drops effectively what Jimmy Ward caught yeah. uh, against the Rams. <laughs> you know, it's just like a give up ball right. um, that had no business being thrown. And, and ultimately, he dropped it. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to need some of those turnovers. You know, when you talk about the rest of the the offense you know they they use a lot of empty about 13 percent of the snaps this season um but that's been largely a positive thing when lawrence isn't getting smashed um and i think if you're looking at where the the jaguars may have a bit of an edge it's like yeah i mean that is a successful strategy you can run against the 49ers is yeah spread them out run empty and, and if you can chip bosa or double team bosa and no one else is really scaring you um, you know, maybe there is a, you know, a path there for the Jaguars if things begin to break their way. Right. It can go either way. Right. I think uh, it makes sense for teams uh, with young quarterbacks to go empty at times because a lot of times it's going to simplify things. Right. So you you spread everybody out offensively. You're getting some more space a lot of times in the throwing windows. And usually you're going to get some sort of especially if you you come out in something else. Right. And then you motion or shift to empty, which, uh, you know, a lot of teams are going to do. And, and certainly Jacksonville has done that. Um, you're going to get some sort of just like basic empty check from the defense. Right. Like pretty much everybody is going to, you know, all, all these defenses are going to have checks for these certain situations that they come in where they're going to, you know, go away from the called play in the huddle because, okay, we've got this formation that's a little bit unique and then we need to make sure everything's accounted for. So you're going to get a lot of times some more basic looks and, and, and things that are just, it, it simplifies things for your young quarterback. Right. And so that can be positive. And I think it, it has definitely shown signs of that, right? I mean, when you look at, uh, their offense when they're in empty, they're 13th in EPA per play. When they're not in empty, they're 30th, right? So it's been a pretty big difference, but it does, like we kind of mentioned, uh, you know, earlier on in, in this is it puts more on Lawrence's shoulders, right? So if, if those guys aren't getting, you know, quick separation on some of those routes and finding some of the space and, or, or say like the defense does bring a blitz and they get some quick pressure, 
it puts that all on Lawrence because there's no, again, five-man protection. Like, there's there's no help coming, right? And, and so it's on him to make very quick decisions, get the ball out of his hands. And if and if he can't do that, which is the case a lot of times, um, you know, he's got to try to make something happen and avoid these negative plays uh, by escaping, and, and it just hasn't always worked out. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this, if this game really starts to tilt and go the 49ers way, it's because Bosa starts to just roast their tackle one-on-one because they're in five-man protection. And and that, I mean, you're seeing lesser players roast their tackle. Yeah. And and that begins to put Lawrence under pressure and he starts making some errant throws or he starts making some some throws that really put the ball in harm's way. Um, you know, and that's when this this game begins to snowball. And that's when the Niners end up getting, you know, a, a comfortable win and end up winning this game. So there are, you know, there is a glimmer. I think if you, if you're a Jags fan, there's a glimmer, there's a thread there if, if you're trying to find it, but this, this is an offense that doesn't have a lot of weapons that is not putting its quarterback in a great, in, in a great position to succeed and doesn't really match up well against what the Niners like to do well, especially having such a premier pass rusher like Nick Bosa. Yeah. I, I think, uh, everything is there, right? I mean, for them to to be able to to have success defensively again in this game, because it's just like there there are no weapons that really scare you. Um, that that should be able to take consistent advantage of the secondary situation for San Francisco. Um, you know, Carlos Hyde is looking like he's going to be the the primary running back, right? Which honestly, like, I'm surprised that Carlos Hyde is still in the league. Which you know, props to him, but. Uh, not exactly wouldn't be thrilled about having him as my, my top back, uh, coming into the game. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an uphill battle for this Jacksonville offense right now. Um, and yeah, San Francisco just has to be able to take advantage of that. Are you kidding me? This is the CJ Beathard, Carlos Hyde revenge game. (laughs) This, this is their opportunity to get back at Shanahan, you know, for, for not believing. What's Beathard going to do? Throw a clipboard at him or something? Like... Hey man, uh, Bethard's over here dropping big time throws uh, all over defenses. He's got he had more big time throws in like six plays than Jimmy Garoppolo maybe has had all season. I mean, CJ Bethard probably owes Shanahan his his paycheck. You know what I mean? Like he's probably not even in the league right now if it's not for Shanahan. So I'm I'm fairly positive that it's uh, Nick Mullins who owes uh, a fifty fifty split between Scangarello I mean, that and that too. Uh, yeah. Uh, Scangarello and Shanahan, but yeah, Bethard uh, at least is making hay. Uh, he's showing. Trevor Lawrence, how to take a hit well. Uh, And Trevor Lawrence seems to be responding. You know what it is about this eggnog, David? It's it's the egg. I don't like anything like that smells like, because I like egg whites in drinks. You know, like a Pisco Sour is delicious. But the egg, like you you just get a faint whiff of the egg as you begin to drink. And I don't, I dislike it. A strong whiff of Christmas is what what I get. Man, you and I had very different Christmases. Look, all I'm saying is I celebrate the 24th. You probably celebrate the 25th. The 25th for me is just a day where you eat Chinese food and everything is closed. Yeah, you mean Christmas Day? (laughs) Uh, Whatever. (laughs) Now, if you are... Thinking about where this may go wrong. This season has jaded you. You've listened to us for too long, and and you're always looking for you know the the dark cloud instead of the silver lining. Where might you look? And it's to the Jacksonville defense because over the last couple of weeks they've played significantly better than they have over the first half-ish of the season. When you look at their first eight weeks, they are 32nd in EPA per play allowed. When you look at just their last two games though, which include 
uh, includes a win over the fighting Josh Allens. You have weeks 9 and 10. They're 7th in EPA per play. That was allowed by both the Bills and the Colts. The Bills, if they played the Niners, would beat them. And the Colts actually beat them. So these are teams that you know are likely going to have wins uh, or have wins over the Niners. And they and the Jacksonville defense held up really, really well against them. And, you know, you're thinking to yourself, OK, so the, the, the Jacksonville offense may not be able to do much against the Niners defense. But is this going to just basically become a slog and kind of be like last person who holds the ball wins or the team that makes the fewest mistakes wins or something like that? Maybe we'll uh, we'll get another tie. Um, is <laughs> no, I, I, I think like, look, it's, it is hard to know, um, because of how bad this Jacksonville defense was for really so much of the season to this point. Um, it, it's hard to know if this performance that we've seen the last couple of weeks is going to be real and is going to stick around and is, uh, you know, indicative of actual improvement. But, uh, I, I think when you look at where they've gotten better, um, some of it does does not bode well for the 49ers. But I mean, the biggest thing that that has improved has been their pass defense and specifically with with their coverage, right? Their their coverage just these last two weeks has made uh, a huge leap, kind of regardless of what you 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 look at, right? Both in outcome related stuff, so things like EPA uh per play and, and also for more process oriented stuff, right? So you look at it's something like PFF's team coverage grade with them um in, in that first stretch, right? Weeks one through eight. They were 27th. They are third in the, in the last two weeks, right? So so they're getting better performance from the, the the guys that are back there. And I think a lot of what it is is it's they, they've kind of just eliminated some of the disastrous performance, right? It's not that anyone is playing all that well necessarily. It's just they're having fewer players play really poorly. They, they've really seemed to kind of solidify things outside at cornerback, which was is kind of a major problem spot. Uh, for much of that first half of the season. And, and so they're just getting more competent, solid play from the secondary, which has been a big thing. And then their pass rush, which was already pretty solid. They were uh, like 36% pressure rate, uh, which was a top 10 mark in those first uh, seven games. And that's jumped all the way up to 46%. So even that is gone from kind of a, a good to great situation. And and I think that's the thing that like stuck out that really bothered uh, Josh Allen in the Bills game was just like pressure was was in his face and um, was bothering him and, and just made life a little bit easier for the secondary in that game. And so that's the element. The pressure part of it, though, is the the element that really, I think, worries you about how that matches up with the 49ers, because that's when we know Garoppolo tends to struggle. Right. It, it's just like things can get ugly if he's consistently getting bothered in the pocket. And this is where I think the Niners have to continue with their winning game plan, which is really not putting the game in Garoppolo's hands, running the ball early and often against the the Jaguars and trying to keep this on schedule and in a positive game script. Because if they all of a sudden get to fool themselves and think to themselves, oh, you know what, we're back, you know, that we can now start slinging the ball, we're going to pass the ball. I don't think this is necessarily going to go well. But if they just try to continue to just run the ball on the ground, and really let Garoppolo pick his spots and not expose him to Josh Allen in that pass rush and, and not let him keep the ball in in his hands for too long. You know, get that ball out quick, get it out in under two and a half seconds. I think this could be a two-score win, but it begins to go off the rails if they start to think that they can just throw all over the place and that they're, you know, a, a big boy quarterback and a big boy offense because this pass rush can do some damage against uh, this this offensive line. 
Right. And, and the encouraging thing, though, is is that the Jaguars' run defense really hasn't been very good, and and that was true yeah. in in those early weeks when everything was kind of falling apart, and that's been true even in these last couple wins. Right, they still haven't been doing all that great of a job against the run. So yeah, I, I think they absolutely need to to have that kind of more run focused game plan and and try to stay on schedule um, and and make it to where when they're passing it's in situations where they want to pass because they think they have an advantage right they've set things up uh as opposed to those situations where they have to pass and and the defense knows that they're going to pass right those are the things uh that that don't tend to go so well for this offense right now so yeah i I think i mean it will be fun to uh, josh allen uh, i had to go double check as as we were kind of uh going through here make sure he lines up on the right side but josh allen uh jaguars josh allen right lines up on the right side of the defense, meaning he will uh, typically go against Trent Williams, which could be, you know, a fun little matchup. I'm sure Trent's going to be just fine there, but uh, would be among the more fun matchups on that side of the ball to to watch, I think. If I'm the Jaguars, I'm taking Josh Allen. I'm putting him right to the opposite side <laughs> of that formation. And so I mean, you are going nowhere near Trent Williams. You would think, right? Uh, he does have some snaps on the other side. So they move him around a little bit. It's just been predominantly on the right side. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if suddenly you see a big a big switch there. Yeah, that's no. All, you're going over there. Who's over there? <laughs> Tom Compton? Yeah. Yes. You're over there. That sounds great. Please, please do that. I, I've reached the end of my eggnog. I, I'm no more impressed by this milky drink um but i'm okay. at the end of it i have nothing to and say i think to it means we're this. also at the end of the podcast yeah. uh at the end of our portion anyway we do have a special guest this week we we have someone who has covered the 49ers for 49ers.com who's now a part of the blue wire family uh and who now is in the betting and gambling space and so rather than asking you david whether or not you think the niners can cover this six and a half point spread we're gonna ask new friend of the pod joe fan formerly of 49ers.com he used to cover the Seahawks, but we don't like to mention that. Uh, and uh, and now he is a host of the Bet to Win podcast here on the Blue Wire Network. So we'll have him close out the show, talk a little bit about what some good bets are in the NFL, maybe some bad bets, and then maybe some 49ers specific bets, uh, and learn a little bit also about the betting terminology too, because things like teasers, you know, I've, I think of something very different than that. gambling was actually a teaser for the interview you see what we did there it's as soon when you're making these jokes david i know it's time to go <laughs> um uh yeah so david uh real quick before we like i think you already told him about the patreon so you know what we're just gonna get to joe let's do it here's joe finn and now the better rivals podcast would like to welcome an old friend Joe Fan, host of the Bet to Win podcast on the Blue Wire Network, formerly of 49ers.com and NBC Sports Northwest. We will never let him live it down. Joe Fan, I feel like it's been a long time coming. It's great to have you on and make you an official friend of the pod. I really appreciate you. It's uh, it's It has been a long time coming. been a long time fan of the pod and, and your work. Um, and it's great to, to finally meet here over the podcast and, and chat about the Niners and the NFL and, and this crazy season that's been taking place here so far. It feels like you were with 49ers.com not too long ago. And, and it, I mean, it is. It was about three, four years ago. And I have to ask if there's any kind of real memorable stories from your time with the 49ers that, that you can share uh, on air for the listeners. Yeah, I loved working for the Niners. I mean, it was a really fun four and a half years. It was my first real, it was my first full-time job. Um, I interned for the Seahawks in 2012. I wasn't in the league in 2013. I was kind of doing some random stuff in Seattle Worked for the Titans part-time in 2014 and then got the, the Niners job in 2015. So 
they gave me a huge opportunity and it was an unreal chance to meet incredible people and get reps and hone my craft in terms of my writing and my on-camera presence and doing audio and all that and in such a big space and such a big organization with you know legendary alumni and you know yeah the, the four years I was there it wasn't great but I got to kind of see the rebuild the start of Kyle Shanahan the trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and you know get to know people and make build relationships with guys like George Kittle and Solomon Thomas and uh, Kyle Juszczyk and you know, a couple other guys where, you know, they're sort of your coworkers and it was a ton of fun. I've got nothing but love, but uh, for Jed York and, um, you know, and Al Guido and everybody there who was so good to me there during my time there. And I still, still have plenty of friends there that I keep up with on a regular basis. Anything, uh, anything like kind of fun or memorable from your time there where you're like, yeah, you know what, this is a memory that jumps out. And I, I look back on this one fondly. Uh, going to Canton, Ohio for a DeBartolo's uh, hall of fame induction was incredible. That, party he threw the night before the induction ceremony was one of the most glitzy parties I've ever seen. And everywhere you turn was a different hall of famer. I mean, that was the people watching there. It was just tremendous. You're like, I don't belong here at all, but it was pretty cool to be there. Um, and then also, I guess, a to Bartolo, we, we, when he was honored um, at the Niners game, he had, there was another big shindig, uh, in San Francisco. And I remember we were getting different content of, of talking about, you know, whatever. And we, at one point I interviewed Dwight Clark and Joe Montana at the same time. Interviewing is, is really uh, doing, it's not the right word because I just asked them what they remember of the catch. And then they just kind of bantered between them for five minutes. And I was just standing there jaw dropped watching these two legends talk about this play that was, you know, one of the most memorable in NFL history thinking, you know what, damn, this is pretty, it's pretty cool what I'm doing. So stuff like that. I mean, just the, the relationships you build and the people you, you got, I got to meet was incredible. So very lucky. I feel like once you've made it to one of Eddie DeBartolo's parties, I feel like that's how you're really inducted into the 49ers family. Cause those, those are the famous ones, right? Where it's like you, you, he flies people out to Vegas or out to, to Hawaii or whatever. And, and it's a big old party. I feel like once you've made it to one of those, like you're like, yes, I've, I've experienced the 49ers from the within side. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And again, it's very much, I don't belong, but I'm happy to be here and I'm going to take it all in accordingly. Well, you are now with WinBet. You've got a podcast on the Blue Wire Network. And so we are going to bring you on for a little segment um, that really just talks about some of the bets, some bets you like, some bets you don't like, and see if there's anywhere where maybe the 49ers fans can get an edge on the game or even on futures too. So we can talk about the game specifically against the Jaguars and we will. But if there's any future bets, like, I don't know, are the Niners going to make the playoffs? Uh, you know, I'd love to hear if you've got any favorite bets. So why don't we start with the positive? Why don't we start bets that if you had, you know, maybe a dollar or a hundred to put down, uh, ones that you would pick? Yeah, just kind of scrolling through the slate here. Um, you know, I really like, uh, I mean, I guess where it's just, there's a Thursday night when we're recording. So the Patriots are already going. I like the Carolina Panthers to cover three against the Washington football team. I know Washington's coming off a huge win against Tampa. And Arizona, Carolina's coming off a huge win against Arizona. So both of these teams, if you're betting them, you're sort of buying high. But what Carolina has played defense this entire year, best pass defense in football. Son Reddick has been an absolute gem of a free agent addition with nine and a half sacks. At least there's something there that is dependable. And that doesn't exist for Washington. Then you look at Carolina's offense that largely has been a mess since that three-week stretch to open the season when they went 3-0. and But now Cam Newton comes in and, the bar is so low in terms of quarterback play there, given how bad Sam Donald has been, but Cam Newton just has to be serviceable. And for in moments of, of how bad he was in new England last year, 
he kept that team competitive an awful lot as well. And you're just looking for serviceable, avoid negative plays, be the, the force in the red zone that we know him to be, as we already saw in the limited snaps he played against Arizona, a couple of touchdowns immediately. Uh, I really like Carolina in that game, uh, only giving three. Uh, I also like the Bengals uh, against the Raiders, Bengals on the road, essentially a pick them, but they're, they're minus one. Um, the Bengals have taken a, a couple on the chin here lately, but um, I do think that team, there's just more firepower offensively. Uh, I believe in the pass rush there. Um, and then, you know, you have some pieces in the secondary that I think are promising. Um, and the Raiders, I just think they're going the wrong direction. It's been a tumultuous season for them. And I finally think it's catching up to them. You know, most notably the Henry Ruggs, you know, obviously the emotional toll, but this is by no means that anywhere near the most important thing in that situation. But, but there's no ignoring that they miss the talent. They miss the deep threat, the skill set, all of that. Uh, it is so thin wide receiver core to begin with in Las Vegas. And, and now it's even thinner losing their, their top talent. So um, in the secondary can't cover anybody. So, you know, that sort of neutralizes Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe because, you know, either they just don't have time to get home because the secondary's got guys running wide open all over the field. And then finally, I like the Cowboys at plus two and a half against the Chiefs. Um, I'm not willing to, to buy into the Chiefs yet. I want to see it for more than one game. For most of this season, they've been good to not great, to even bad at times. And I want to see if that offense can put a performance together like that a couple of weeks in a row. I want to see if that defense can at least be serviceable because it was, you know, one of, if not the worst in the league for a lot of the season. I think Cowboys are... Outside of that game against Denver, that I'm willing to chalk up to just a no good day, you know, no good, awful, very bad day, whatever the the, the old book is, the old children's book um, against Denver. Other than that, they've been very consistent. And that offense is um, as balanced and deep and explosive as you'll find in the NFL. And there's enough pieces defensively to where they're going to they're going to bend a bit. They're going to give up yards, even give up some points. But they've got guys who can get to the quarterback and they've got guys, obviously, Trevon Diggs. Um, who can turn you over and go get the football, which is so big, especially in these games that you expect to be high scoring. The over on that game, over under is at 56. So obviously uh, plenty of points expected in that game. I like the Cowboys on the road getting the two and a half. That's going to be such a fun game. That's a game I'm looking forward to is the Cowboys versus the Chiefs. And and yeah, interesting that you're you're going to take the Cowboys there. I'd, I'd probably fall still on, on, on the side of the Chiefs, but I think it's going to be a fun game either way. It's going to be. It's amazing. I mean, the Chiefs could lose six straight and people would still show up the seventh week and bet on them. Oh, you know, totally. We're just so conditioned to wind to bet on Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And I totally get it. But, you know, this to me is um, is just the markets being set, knowing that money's going to come in on Kansas City. And you just can't accept if you're a book that much liability if you were to, to give uh, the Chiefs points as opposed to making them the favorite. So should be a great game. One of the marquee matchups of the season. Um, it's a shame it's an afternoon game and not a primetime game, but but one that I know uh, you know everybody's going to be looking forward to. Now give me one bet that you would wave people off from this week before we get into some 49ers specific bets for the, for the, the game this Sunday. Um, I don't love the Bills getting or giving seven to the Colts. Uh, there are a couple teams that you know, I kind of put the, the Vikings and the Colts in the same category of, of teams that are good and competitive and hard to beat each week, but haven't necessarily won some of the games that they should have. The seven points, a lot of points against a, a good team. And Indianapolis has been a good team. 
Carson Wentz is good for one or two just baffling decisions every week, whether it's trying to throw left-handed or awkward shovel passes that are lucky to not get intercepted or it's actually Josh Allen experience, man. That's what he does. Yeah. Uh, no, that's Carson Wentz I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm getting my turnover-prone uh, quarterbacks confused here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Josh Allen just seems like he does it at a higher success rate. Um, <laughs> but you're right. There are some of those head scratchers for sure with him as well. Um, but but he's played – Carson Wentz has played pretty darn good football for most of this season. And that defense has enough pieces there. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has been a, a monster this season, uh, a potential offensive player of the year candidate to where – you know, if they can churn out yards and convert on third down and keep Josh Allen on, um, you know, on the sideline, they've got a chance to hang around. Seven points, again, is a lot against a good team. And Buffalo, um, when they've played, you know, good teams or even mediocre teams, um, they've let them hang around. Obviously, a couple of weeks ago, most notably losing to the Jaguars. So that's one that I'd rather watch and not bet. All right. Now let's get to some Niners specific bets. The, the Niners are favored by six points. This is the first time they've been favored since week one. Uh, it, do you think they clear that spread? Because Kyle Shanahan teams have not been super great against the spread. And, and this is now, I mean, they're being favored effectively by a touchdown. Uh, is that a bet you're taking? Uh, I want to see it another week. feels like they should. You know, you just think about, I know you shouldn't overreact too much to one game. And, you know, the transitive properties of the NFL aren't really a thing. And Jacksonville has been playing better of late. They've got a decent run defense. They kept it close, had a chance to beat the Colts, and then obviously they beat the Bills. But I just I can't wrap my head around the Niners pantsing the Rams on Monday Night Football and then somehow losing to the Jags. Now, will they cover? It's a different story. Um, but my gut says they do cover this. Um, the Niners are just far too good to have been as bad as they've been this season. And then, of course, they play that game last week, and you're saying – my goodness, where the hell has this been? Where has this rhythm passing game been? Where is getting your players in space been? Where has this diverse and hard to read as a defense running game? Where has that been? Um, the efficiency on third down, where has that been? You know, all of that is a staple of a Kyle Shanahan offense when everything's churning and clicking as it should. And we saw that finally. Um, so, for me, uh, you know, I think they should. I just want to see it one more time from this team before I'm willing to to, to lay a wager. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna build a teaser card, a six point teaser makes it a pick 'em, and I think that makes a ton of sense um, because I just don't see them losing to Jacksonville. For the betting uninitiated, what is a teaser? Because I feel like betting has its own language. Um, you know, yeah, even so like it, the pluses and minuses sometimes get confusing. So, what the hell's a teaser? Yeah, so a teaser is basically it's a parlay that gives you six points in your favor or seven if you go that route. So it diminishes the payout, but it just gives you basically the thought is Vegas is really good at coming up with their numbers. And if you think the number is going to be spot on, well, a six point teaser gives you a 12 point window. You know, so if you were to tease the Niners, you'd get it down to zero. If you were to tweet or, uh, tease the Jags, you'd get it up to plus 12. And if the Niners win by anywhere from zero or 12, which I think we all expect to be the case, doesn't matter which side you tease, you're going to win. So uh, you put together, it has to be at least two legs or two picks. So you could do the Niners and then the Bills to get you to minus one, Bills minus one. And it's a two-team teaser, and, and usually that's about minus 140. So you'd have to lay down uh, 140 bucks to win 100. Um, but it just gives you a little bit of wiggle room uh, to help you with these lines that are super sharp. And the NFL is known as one of, if not the sharpest market, and when I say that, 
I mean, the numbers are just spot on um, and very strong uh, and, and hard to predict, quite frankly. Uh, teasers can help you there. Now let's talk about a player prop and everyone's favorite player this year for the 49ers is Debo Samuel. His over under receptions is six and a half uh, and that's a plus 120. So if you, uh, I think if I remember correctly, basically plus 120 means you got to bet a hundred to get 120. Um, Correct. Are are you taking that bet? Six and a half is a lot. I think getting plus money here, I like it. Um, You know, they force feed him in terms of getting him touches, but the the caveat is, are they going to come on the ground? Are they going to come through the air? So my gut says, you know, he's just such a focal point of that offense. Why not take it? Um, But six and a half is a lot. He's only done that three times this season. So that's why you're getting it at plus money. Um, I would understand either side. Um, and if you want to avoid, totally get it. If you want to take advantage of the plus money and feel like he's, again, going to just be um, – I think, to, again, George Kittle's healthy. Brandon Ayuk's getting, been more involved of late. So I would lean under. But, you know, if you like it, like the plus money, said, you know, go for it. I mean, you know he's going to be involved on a play-to-play basis. And so it's going to have a chance. And he's, he's had at least five in every game but one. So he's always in the ballpark. Um, so I know that's kind of a wishy-washy answer, but some it, it'd be like that sometimes. And um, I don't have a super strong feeling about that one either way. All right, let's talk about some futures bets because uh, there's ways to make the game fun. So maybe if you uh, you know want to add more anxiety to your heart, which I I don't, which is why I generally don't bet, but because <laughs> I, I already get too invested in this stuff as it is. Um, you know, let's talk about some of the futures. Make the playoffs for the 49ers at this point midseason. I think latest odds are it, you know make the playoffs are plus one sixty five. No is minus two hundred five. So minus two hundred five means you've got to bet uh, two hundred and five dollars uh, to get a hundred. Uh, which basically means that it, it's kind of implying that they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, and I think the odds imply basically that they're not going to make the playoffs at about a 60, uh, 67.2% uh, if you believe the maths. Uh, so are you are you taking the plus money on making the playoffs? Are you shooting a shot? Or are you saying, you know what, this is maybe one where the, the Niners might have a, a too big of a hole to dig out of? Someone's got to make the playoffs. You know, <laughs> New Orleans is 5-4, and four, Carolina's 5-5, five and five, and then you have three teams that are, or four teams that are either 4-5 and five or 4-6. Four and six. So, the NFC, the, the, the back end of the NFC, those two wildcard spots are a total crapshoot. So, yeah, I would take the plus money. I think San Francisco is as talented, if not more so, than any other team I just mentioned. So why not? Um, yes, the tough division. Yes, they've been bad more often than they've been good so far this season, which I guess has been why it's been so baffling, because we all know hey, – we I don't think anyone – necessarily watched that performance on Monday against the Rams and thought, wow, we didn't know the Niners were capable of this. It, it was just, wow, where the hell has this been? We didn't see this coming because we had no reason to, because we've watched more than a month plus of this offense and defense you know, really struggle on both sides of the ball. So um, yeah, I think it's a worthy bet. Uh, again, someone has to make the playoffs this, as the six or seven seed. And um, there's so much season left. I, I see no reason why the Niners can't be the team to claim one of those two spots. All right. And then if you're thinking about overall wins on the season, do they win nine or more games? These are, this is set at minus 120. Uh, so another one where you have to bet one, uh, uh, bet 120 to win a hundred bucks. Uh, you think you, do you take that bet or not? What's interesting is, so the, the bet is to win nine games and you get, you have to pay extra. It's a, it's a minus number for that, but to make the playoffs, a plus number. Yeah. If, if 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 they win nine games, I think they'll be in the playoffs. 
So here's my logic. If you're taking them to make the playoffs, then yeah, you take the, you take the over on this as well. You got to have the correlating bets um, because one can't happen without the other. Um, but if Vegas is expecting them to win nine games and that number tells me that Vegas is, then you're getting a huge value at getting them to make the playoffs at plus money. Uh, so yeah, what there's, they're played nine games. Let me do the math. That means there's eight more. They've got to win five of them. Did I do that math correctly. Yeah. That's, and that's the uh, tough part, right? Cause let's say they win against Jacksonville, right? Maybe you, you have Atlanta, maybe you got Houston, you know, the, there's the, at that point you're like, Oh, you know, the, the Vikings, Seattle, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Houston has to be, I mean, those are three that those have to be wins. If they're going to get there. The Vikings can be a win. The Seahawks can be a win. The Bengals can be a win. Uh, there's no Tina that, that then what, what's an auto loss there? I mean, Titans are a really good team, but you know, they've been banged up more often than not. And some of the advanced metrics in terms of yards per play, both offensively and defensively points to them being, you know, susceptible a bit. Yeah. There's no reason why they can't get to nine. So I'll take that bet as well. I'm just, I'm always bullish on the Niners and which is why I've, I've had to eat some crow early this year because I've just, you know, I've obviously been so wrong on them and I've, I'm a, an admitted Kyle Shanahan apologist, but um, yeah, I'm happy to take, happy to take the Niners on both those accounts to make the playoffs and to get nine wins because if they get nine wins, I think they're in the playoffs. Joe, you are an absolute shot of, adre- of adrenaline and positivity uh, on this show. Uh, we enjoyed the bets, the monies. Uh, and if anyone wins a little bit of money based on what Joe uh, has talked to us about here, just let us know. Tweet at us, talk to us, let us know. Uh, and, and if you do enjoy the winnings, uh, hope you buy yourself a beer uh, with those dollars. Uh, Joe, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, hope to do it again sometime soon, man. It was good to finally chat and, uh, and have you on. Hey, a ton of fun. Appreciate you having me. Thanks so much.